You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Chapter 45, verse 1. Now Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, all his brothers and the, the Egyptian royal court. And he cried out and he said, make everyone go away from me. Says this in Egyptian, uh, all, the, all, the, all his aides and advisors and the soldiers and the security and all that. Make them all go out for me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept out loud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Wow, Joseph is in there just wailing, just crying, and, and, and it gets to Pharaoh's ear. Hey, uh, this is what's going on. Joseph's brothers are here, and he's crying. And uh, Verse 3, then Joseph said to his brothers in Hebrew, first time he doesn't speak through an interpreter, first words they hear out of Joseph's mouth directly to them. He's not speaking the Egyptian here. He now speaks in Hebrew, and he says, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. What do you think they thought? I am Joseph. And they thought, gulp. They didn't know if their heads were going to be chopped off. They didn't know how in the world did this happen. It was 22 years ago. We sold you as a slave. You don't look like Joseph. How did you get here in power? They're just like, they're beyond, they're like, they're just falling over backwards, right? And Joseph said to his brothers, please, come near to me. So they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother. They came near trembling, by the way. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not, therefore, be grieved. And do not be angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Oh, how amazingly gracious. Oh, how amazingly kind. Their heads deserve to roll. And God said, Joseph says, hey, uh, be of good courage. Uh, you, you, God, God is in all this. God has raised me up to preserve life. Verse 6. For these two years, the famine has been in the land. But I want you to know something. There's still five years in which there will neither be plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it is not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to the Pharaoh. What does that mean? Uh, He's saying, listen, God has raised me up so powerfully that Pharaoh comes to me for advice. Pharaoh comes to me for counsel. I'm like a father to Pharaoh. Uh, and the, I'm, the, I'm the Lord of all his house. That means I'm the authority in all of the kingdom and the ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph. God has made me Lord 
of all of Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children, and your children's children, your grandchildren, and your flocks, and your herds, and your companies, and all your employees, and all that you have. And there I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine. This seven-year famine, this seven years of extreme difficulty, this seven years of tribulation, there's still five years left, and I want to take care of you during this, this time. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. Benjamin was just a little boy, probably around seven, eight years old, 22 years ago when his brothers sold him. They weren't there. Joseph never got to say goodbye to Benjamin. Benjamin was just a little boy in his house, and now Benjamin is married. He has children, uh, and, and Joseph is, is just there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you see me, and my brother Benjamin, see, this is me. Uh, verse 13, you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen, and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck, and he wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. I love that word, by the way. Wept on his neck. Isn't that tender? And wept all over them. Uh, my father-in-law used to always say, come over here and hug my neck. And uh, I love that phrase, right? And that's kind of the same thing here. Uh, and so they go and they hug over, all over each other. And after that, his brothers talked with him. I guess they did. What in the world? How did you get here? Uh, last time we saw you, we, were, we beat you. We threw you. We were going to kill you. We sold you as a... How did this happen? And Joseph would tell them, well, God, you know, tell them the whole story. But I don't want to hear about that, Joseph would say. I want to hear about you. Oh, my gosh, look at you. And, um, what are you doing? And what? And just this tender moment, right? Uh, and now Israel sees that their brother Joseph is the savior of the world. Their brother Joseph is sitting at the right hand of the throne. Their brother Joseph is the one who is saving all of the earth from death. All of that a picture of who? Jesus. And he tells them, even though you've wronged me, nothing but grace, I'm for you. And God used all this to save you. Now come and let me provide for you. And go and tell my father and all the rest of Israel that the Savior is your kinsman. Oh my gosh. Who's that a picture of? Jesus. And it happens during the seven-year tribulation. The Bible is crystal clear. Romans tells us blindness has happened in part into the nation Israel. They're spiritually blind right now. They cannot see the Messiah. Blindness has happened in part into the nation Israel. But when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, that blindness will be lifted and they will see the Messiah 
And they will mourn for him, Zechariah 12 says, as one mourns for their only son, saying, where did you receive these wounds, these piercings in your hands? Where did you receive these wounds? And he will say to them, I received them in the house of my friends. That is a direct quote from Zechariah 12. Uh, The spiritual blindness of Israel is going to be lifted during the seven-year tribulation period that's coming to the planet Earth, and all of Israel will be saved and restored and they'll realize that their own kinsman is the one who sits at the right hand in power as the redeemer of the whole entire earth. And what they meant as evil, uh, crucifying him, God meant for good to bring salvation to the earth. Oh my gosh, what a picture of Jesus. And here this story, I mean, amazing. And I want you to know the same is true for you. We have all sinned against God. We've arrogantly only cared about ourselves and we've misused all the gifts he's given us and we've rebelled against him and we've mocked him and we've slandered him and we've left him and he calls us back to himself and he says listen I forgive you and for this reason I went to the cross for you now come to me and live in the abundance of the land I want to take care of you I want to provide for you I want to restore you I want to build you Uh, This is God's work in our life, and it's a marvelous work. If Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior, oh, hear his beckoning call upon your life today. Come to him. Uh, Jesus himself would say, all who come to me, I will in no way cast out. Psalm 145 says, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in spirit and in truth. Uh, He just come to him. He, he, He wants to give abundant life. It's amazing. And what a picture of Jesus' love it is. But coming back to our story with Joseph, look at these words that Joseph says. Joseph tells his brothers, the ones who have wronged him, he tells them, come to me, come to me, come to me. I want to bless you. And I have a question for you. How in the world could he say such a thing? They beat him. They mocked him. They despised him. They were jealous of him. They thought to kill him. They threw him in a pit. They sold him as a, for a few pieces of silver as a slave. How in the world? Do you know what the Bible tells us? You remember, for those of, uh, those of you who have been with us in this study for any length of time, you remember back uh, uh, when, they, when they beat him and threw him in the pit. They went off as they were debating whether to kill him or what to do. They went off a a few feet. And you know what they did? They sat down and had dinner. How callous. And Joseph is bleeding in a pit. And he's crying out in the pit. Save me, please. Please don't do this. Save me. And you know what they say? Pass the bread. Is there any more meat? How callous. And they do this to him. And, and, and he's crying out, pleading. And it's hard to believe. And now this same Joseph could say to these abusers, come to me. I want to bless you. Come to me. I want to take care of you. How in the world could he say this to them? Well, I want you to know That somewhere, long ago in Joseph's life, decades earlier, 
Somewhere long ago, Joseph brought his pain to God. You say, what do you mean? Well, Joseph had been radically wronged. And somewhere long ago, Joseph brought his pain to God and said, God, I don't understand. I mean, what the heck? I mean, they hated me for no reason. And God would say, I know, that was wrong. And Joseph would cry out and say, they mistreated me, man. They beat me. They literally beat me up. They bloodied me. Uh, They mistreated me. They're always putting me down. Always mocking me. Always picking on me. God would say, Joseph, I know. I know. That's wrong. They threw me in a pit. They they were going to kill me. Then they went off and had dinner, and as I was crying out, they were just callous against me. And Joseph, God would tell Joseph, Joseph, I know. I know. That was wrong. And then they sold me as a slave. I'm only 17 years old, and I go to a foreign country, and I'm bought by some family. I don't even know. I'm 17. God would say, I know, Joseph. I know. But haven't I been with you? Didn't I walk with you through all of that? I know what they did to you was wrong. But wasn't my hand upon you? Didn't I, wasn't I there with you in the pit? Wasn't I there with you when you were sold as a slave? Do you think that I wasn't involved in the house that you went to and that I was ordaining your steps even when evil was prevailing? And didn't I give you favor in Pharaoh, excuse me, in Potiphar's eyes? And didn't you get raised up in Potiphar's house? Didn't I give you years of reprieve where you had a chance to catch your breath? And yeah, but I was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and then thrown in prison. And was I not with you in prison? Did I not raise you up? And did I not give you the ability to? To not only endure, but to prevail in what you had been through? Joseph, haven't I been with you? Somewhere long ago, Joseph brought his pain to God, and he found peace in God's sovereignty. Joseph sees that God is in all of this, and it moves him. I know that some of you have been radically abused. As a young child, you had sexual abuse in your life. A father, an uncle, a relative, a loved one. You're just a child. God, how could you allow this to happen to me? I know some of you have gone through the loss of someone that you love, loss of a loved one. God, where are you in this? I know some of you are caregiving for a spouse who is now full of dementia and can't even function in life. And and you're wondering, God, where are you in this? And somewhere I want you to know, you see, you're telling me now that God is sovereign over all of that. Well, if God is sovereign over all of that, then I don't want any part with him. What kind of God would allow that to happen? And somewhere long ago, God 
Jacob, excuse me, uh, Joseph wrestled with God and all these, and he came to peace with God's sovereignty. Yes, Joseph, you've had evil things happen in your life, but I want you to know uh, I'm sovereign over it all. Yes, your brothers despised you, but I never did. Yes, your brothers abused you, but I never did. Yes, your brothers abandoned you, but I never did. And the evil that has been brought upon you, there is evil in the world. Yes, I'm sovereign, but I've allowed man to have free will. And uh, some men use it for evil. But I want you to know, Joseph, the evil that they bring cannot thwart my plans for your life. And I am raising you up through it all. I was with you in the pit. I was with you at Potiphar's house. I'm the one who raised you up. And I raised you up in prison. And I am with you. And somewhere along in the distant past, Joseph had found peace in God's sovereignty. Listen to Joseph's words to his brothers. This is a man who understands that God has sovereignly used all of this hardship for good in Joseph's life. Listen to Joseph's words in chapter 50. Uh, we're going to jump ahead on your screens. Let me hear you read this in a unified thundering voice. Uh, Joseph speaking to his brothers, he tells them, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Oh my gosh. You meant it for evil. And it was evil, man. It was wicked. Did you not hear me crying out in the pit and you callously said, pass the stake? You meant it for evil. But I've come to terms with all of that. Because God meant it for good. Somewhere long ago, Joseph brought his pain to God and he found peace in God's sovereignty. And he sees that, wow, God has used this and has given me the ability to not only uh, exist through it, to prevail in it and to prevail over it. And it's God has used it to build character in me and to make me into the man that I am. And, and oh my gosh. Somewhere long ago, Joseph brought his pain to God. And Joseph found peace in God's sovereignty. Somewhere long ago, Joseph brought his pain to God. And God built him and established him to be an amazing man of character, a man of substance. Wow. Joseph looks at it and goes... I understand. God was in all of this, and it was through that that God formed me and shaped me and molded me and made me a man of substance who God could use as a leader in the world. I want you to know that we cannot become a formidable leader, a formidable human, a person of substance and character without first learning to trust in God's sovereignty even in the midst of hardship. 
Joseph had learned that evil and hardship and even malevolent behaviors do not hinder God's sovereignty. And learning that caused Joseph to put his trust in God in the most difficult of situations. And learning how to do that had made him formidable. It had made him a man of substance and character that is just admirable to look at. Incredible. Church, I want you to know something. By human nature, I know this about myself, and I know this about you. Our human nature, do you know what we love? Do you know what we're always seeking? Do you know what we're always going after? Comfort. Comfort. We always want to be comfortable. I was uh, amazed at this just uh, yesterday. I got in my car, and it's like hotter than snot, and I just like get in there, I'm like... (laughs) hit the air conditioner, man. And I thought, I'm like, hey, two weeks ago, you were saying, when is summer coming? I'm tired of this cold. And now it's two degrees over my comfort zone. And I'm like, oh, the air conditioner. You know what I know about you and me? We're always looking for comfort. We put it as our highest priority. But I want you to know know something. Comfort never built anything comfort never made a man a man comfort never made a woman a woman and some of us get so preoccupied in comfort that we just go around looking for comfort everywhere we go shopping for comfort We're materialistic for comfort. We put entertainment on our screens before us all the time for comfort. We look at pornography for comfort. We watch movies for comfort. We go gambling for comfort. We just want to be comfortable. And being comfortable never built anyone. You want to be strong? You got to go to the gym. You got to do hard things. And church, I want to tell you this morning, do hard things. It's worth it. It's the very way God will build you. Do hard things. In hardship, Joseph learned how to trust in God's sovereignty. You cannot learn that in comfort. And you know what happens to the man, to the woman who just sits back looking for comfort all the time? Their life begins to crumble. And all that gambling and all that materialism and all that shopping and all that pornography and all that alcohol and all that getting high and all that, it ruins your life and you become worthless. You become insignificant. You never build anything. I want you to know, look at that little girl on that can of that Bud Light can and you just tell me, what did she ever build in life? Or he, or whatever it is. He. What did he ever build? She ever build? What did they ever? A wasted life. And now you look at Joseph. A man who can endure hardship. And be built by God. To have amazing, formidable character. And to have people who wrong him come to him. And say, you're forgiven. 
I want to build you. I want to pour into you. A man who is saving the entire world from famine because the Spirit of God is upon him, because he's understood the sovereignty of God, because he walks in God's ways even when it's difficult, even in hardship. So he's thrown into a prison and he says, God, I'm still going to trust in you and walk in your ways. And God says, I can build you. I can use that. The God is so sovereign. He's sovereign even over the evil in life. And he will take that evil and use it as a master sculptor and make his vessel. And I want you to know something. God is an amazing artist. Let him take the tools of hardship in your life and use it to sculpt you and build you into what he wants to make you to be. Joseph looks pretty darn good, my friends. And that's what God wants to do in your life. I woke up this morning and I saw the sunrise and I went outside and I'm looking at the sunrise and as the sun is rising, it's that time just super early in the morning and it looked like all the tree trunks were on fire. Uh, they don't look that way in the noonday sun. You see the trees, you see the leaves and you can barely see the trunks, but in the sun's dawning light this morning, all the tree trunks were like illuminated. They were just, and I thought, God, you're Artistic skills are unbelievable. The still of the morning, your glory, your beauty just on display. God is an amazing artist. Let him build you. Let him sculpt you. Joseph came to the point where he brought his pain to God and he trusted God's sovereignty. And God said, oh, I can, I can work with this. And he sculpts him. And now God, Joseph, comes to a point where he, long ago, where he, he, he brings his pain to God and God builds him and establishes him and he's looking quite significant. Hey, do hard things. A man who can be powerfully used by God, come, to, come near to me, guys. Come near to me. Not only you, but, but bring your whole families. And here I would say to you this morning, church, hey, do you, I'm sure you do. Do you have someone who wronged you? Do you have someone who mistreated you? Forgive them. Forgive them. Long ago, Joseph had forgiven them of all the cruel and hurtful things that they had done to him. And now they stand before him and Joseph has no malice in his heart. And as they stand before him, he forgives them again. No problem. No problem. And I want you to know he doesn't ignore what they did to him. He doesn't pretend it didn't happen. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. He forgives. He just simply forgives. Notice that he doesn't lecture them. He doesn't rub their nose and, hey, uh, I forgive you, and I'm going to give you grain, and I'm going to invite you to come here, but I just want to, I just have a question. What were you thinking when you sold me into slavery? I just want to know. Oh, say, uh, no, 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 I want to hear it from your lips. What were you thinking when you did that? He doesn't do any of that. You know what he does? He forgives them. Uh, oh, how impressive a man is like that is. He forgives and he builds them. Come near to me. Come near to me. Maybe you were abused. God is calling you this morning to deal with this. To bring your pain to God. And to trust in his sovereignty, even over those issues. And allow God to build you and to mold you. 
Maybe you didn't have a, fa- a father who loved you properly. Maybe you had a father who did horrible things to you. Bring it to God. Trust in his sovereignty. Let him work in your life. In my own life, I, uh, uh, my dad did not know how to love real well. Um, uh, later in life, uh, uh, I learned how to have a really amazing relationship with my dad, and I'm really thankful for it, and I miss him dearly. Uh, but as a child, I never lived with my dad, and my dad didn't really know how to love me. Um, wasn't good at it, just to be frank. And it never really bothered me as a kid. I was kind of oblivious to it. Um, I knew it was lacking, but it never really bothered me. And it wasn't until I had my firstborn son, Jordan. Uh, I remember being in the labor room, watching my wife go through all of that. And then this miracle of miracles. It's one of the best things in life to ever experience. This baby coming out to life. And there I am, this baby, uh, just seconds old. And I snip the umbilical cord. And I'm wondering, Lord, am I going to be able to love this child? That had been my prayer as she was pregnant, you know, because I, I, I didn't have a dad in my life. And I don't know how to be a dad. And, and I hold this child, and I'm like just overwhelmed with love for this child. Seconds old. And I knew at that moment, I would take, I'd get hit by a speeding train to save this child's life. I would take a bullet for this child. I was just overwhelmed, and I knew that love did not come from me. I'm a selfish man. I've never loved anything like that selflessly. And I would lay down my life in a heartbeat for this child right now. And I thought, Lord, you're so amazing, giving me that love for this child. But it did something I didn't expect. It made me bitter at my dad for the first time. Because I knew that love that I had for my son, my father did not have for me. And for the first time in my life, I'm now angry with my dad over the way he didn't love me. And God brought me through a process in that and taught me to trust in his sovereignty in this and to let God be a father to me that even though I didn't have a father, I have a father and he's leading and guiding me and direct. And it allowed me to forgive my dad. Uh, do you have someone who's wronged you? Uh, look at what, listen to what Joseph says. Come near to me. Come near to me. Uh, that is the work that God wants to do in your life. Uh, and I am so thankful that in time, I learned how to accept the love that my dad did know how to give to me, as imperfect as it was. And what did that do? Well, that gave life to both of us. And it allowed me to appreciate and enjoy the relationship with my dad that I could have, instead of mourn over the relationship that I didn't have. And it changed my whole paradigm and I am very thankful for the years that I had late, late, later in my dad's life. And, uh, uh, you know, um, a lot could be said on that. Joseph tells them, come to me. And they laugh together. And they cry together. And they tell stories together. 
And I wonder what the conversations were like. Like, oh, Joseph, how'd you get here? Oh, man, you wouldn't believe it, what God did and Potiphar and Potiphar's wife and all dreams and all. He starts telling him all the stories, right? But Joseph says, no, 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 no. Forget all that. I want to hear about your life. Judy, you used to be really good at art, man. Are you still... Are you still an artist? Tell me what you've done. Oh, you have so many. You have, you have that many kids. Oh, my gosh. What are their names? And he just, he learns about them. And you know what that is? That is a picture of Jesus in you. Hey, I want to know all the details of your life. I care for you. Bring everything to me. Uh, and forgiveness flows freely. And notice what Joseph does here. He encourages them to return home and get dad. Bring all your kids. Bring all your your families, bring the grandkids, bring all the livestock and come and live in Egypt as one giant family. And look what happens to Joseph's amazement, man. Uh, when Pharaoh hears that Joseph's family has come, uh, even Pharaoh gets in and encourages them and blesses them. Let's pick up in verse 16. Now the report of it, uh, that's the report of Joseph's brothers coming back and Joseph crying and weeping and loving on his brothers. That comes back to Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. Crazy. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your camels, excuse me, load your animals and depart, go to the land of Canaan, bring your father and your households and come to me and I will give you, read this with me, I will give you what? The best of the land. This is a picture of God to you. Leave everything, come to me. I will give you the best of the land. Just amazing, right? Um, I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. I'm going to give you just the very best. Uh, Now verse 19. Now you are commanded to do this. Take carts. Out of the land of Egypt for your little ones. Yeah, they can't walk. So we're going to bring the Egyptian motorcade to you and, and your wives and bring your father and come and, and underline these words. And do not be concerned about your goods for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Hey, when you are a king, when you have everything, when, when wealth is nothing to you, when you own the cattle on a thousand hills, do you know what you tell your children? Don't worry about your stuff. I got plenty of stuff. Guess what we're always worried about? My things. What about my things? What about my favorite chair? Don't worry about your favorite chair. I got a gajillion chairs. I'm going to give you the best of the land. What do I do with my favorite chair? Here's, what a good, here's a good idea. Give it away. <laughs> Bless someone. And now you see how God wants to use you. Hey, I'm calling you by faith into a brand new land. What about all my stuff? Don't worry about it. What do I do with it? Give it away. Don't let it own you. And he calls them into this new land. And here's what I want us to see. God always provides for his people. Always. Pharaoh is incredibly grateful to Joseph. He saved Egypt. And now God moves in Pharaoh's heart. 
And he says, oh, I just want to bless your family abundantly. I'm going to give them the best of the land. Who did that? That was God. You know, the Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord, and he will bend it like a river, whichever way he chooses to accomplish his will. And he bends Pharaoh's heart like a river and says, hey, just bless these guys' socks off. That's God. God always provides for his people. Trust in him in that. Uh, man, imagine what, uh, what Joseph is thinking right now. As Pharaoh says, give them the best of the land. Get the Egyptian motorcade and uh, let them use it to bring all their family and everything here. And it just blesses them and says, come. Joseph must have just sat back and just marveled at God's sovereignty in all this. God, you're unbelievable. You gave me this dream at 17 years old. I didn't understand it. I elevated myself in it. Oh, what a fool I was. And, uh, and, and now, Lord, I see your plan coming into fruition. How amazing. And now all the riches of Egypt are at your disposal, and you are using it to bless my family. Lord, you're just too good. You're just amazing. And God, uh, Joseph just ponders all that God has done in his amazing grace through it all. And I guarantee you that Joseph would look back at all the, the hard times that he went through, the teary nights, the times when he cried himself to sleep on the pillow going, why did my brothers do this to me at 17 years old? Why did I get accused by Potiphar's wife? And why? And he would look at it all right now and go, oh Lord, it was worth it. Your sculpting tool even using evil in life to accomplish your end. Lord, you are a master designer. You are a beautiful artist. And what you build is just amazing. Now, what else could Joseph do as he looks back at God's plan on his life and how God brought it all into fruition? What else could he do but just simply worship God? Wednesday at the baptism, I had a moving experience. Uh, for one, I was deeply moved by all of the testimonies. I wish you could hear what I get to hear of how Jesus is working in people's lives. As all these young people I'm baptizing and they're going, here's what the Lord is doing. I would say, you know, what's Jesus doing in your life? And they would just, here's what the Lord's doing in my life. And he's blah, 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 blah. And they're just, I'm just like, oh my gosh, just amazing. Just amazing. So it was a moving experience, but I had a, 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 a particular moving experience uh, uh, as uh, we all gathered there on the beach, and you know, uh, then you all went down to the shore to watch these 70 people get baptized. And uh, I'm getting older, and uh, the water seems colder to me than it used to seem, you know? <laughs> so I took a moment to put on a wetsuit, because uh, last year I froze. Uh, so I'm putting on a wetsuit, and... <laughs> I'm having a hard time, for whatever reason, getting the wetsuit on, you know, like, take me a little longer than I thought. And uh, so I finally get this thing on, and I'm, you know, like, you know, pulling it up and everything. And, and as I do, I walk down to the beach, and JC and the elders are already baptizing people. There's, like, scores of people in the water going, you know, just me. And I walk down to the beach, and I see this giant congregation of 500 people supporting these 70 people getting baptized, and I'm just moved with emotion. Oh my gosh, how did this happen? 
How did this happen? I remember sitting with 12 people in my living room thinking, do you think God's calling us to start a church? And now, Lord, look at what you've done. And I just had to sit back and, well, what can I do? But just go, Lord, you're amazing. That you would take me as flawed and messed up as I am and say, yeah, I can use all your faults and your weaknesses and all your things and don't worry about it. Just leave your stuff and come walk with me. I want to use you to build the kingdom. And I am pretty sure of this, like the Apostle Paul would say, that I'm pretty sure that God has set me, you know, God has... Uh, this is a faithful and notable saying. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. If God could use me, he could use anybody. If God could use a guy who's killing Christians, he could use anybody. If God could use this knuckle, he could use anybody. God, this is what God wants to do in you. He invites us to come and participate in his work. And it is mind-boggling. And though we have to walk through hardship, we go through and we stand back. And what else can we do but worship God? God always provides for his people. Uh, Joseph would look back at all of it and say, man, just worth it. And I think of the Apostle Paul and what he would say on these things. And I, I just, um, even now I'm moved with emotion and gratitude. And, and the Apostle Paul would say in Romans, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Why was I sold as a slave? I, it's not even worthy to be compared with the glory that God, God wants to do in my life. Why was I accused by Paul? Not even worthy to be compared with the glory that God wants to do in my life, Joseph. He's just blown away. Just blown away. Worth it. Lean into the hard things God is doing in your life, man. Lean into it and watch God build you. It's his way. Uh, uh, let's see if we can cover some more ground. Uh, or maybe we can't. Uh, um, I'll leave you here. Um, oh, I pray that you're in awe of God's majesty. I pray that you're in awe that you're seeing a sliver of God's sovereignty. Uh, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And, and I want to invite you, uh, I want you to take a couple moments. Um, I want to close the service uh, with just a time of prayer. I want to give you an opportunity to pray right now, wherever you are, whatever you're going through. Uh, let's just take an opportunity to come before this God who is so sovereign and has such good plans for you that he wants to build your life. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will go and you will call upon me and I will hear you. And you will pray to me and I will listen. And you'll bring your request to me and I'll honor them. And I'll use all the difficulties that you've gone through in life and all the ways that you are mistreated and I'll fashion and shape you and I'll build character in your life. And you'll wonder, God, why did I go through this? Why was it so hard? And you'll see that I use those things to make you strong, to make you something for formidable, an instrument in my hands, uh, one that will shine as a light in a dark world. I'll build grace and character into you that you'll be able to love those who are unlovable and you'll be able to save those who are unsavable and you'll be able to be kind to those who are just miserable and all 
all use your life as a beacon of light in a dark world. And you will be my instrument in my hands. This is God's will for your life. I want you to experience what I experienced on that beach. Just to be in awe of what God is doing in and through your lives. This is not something unique for a pastor. This is his way. This is the way. David, uh, King David, uh, God would come to him and he would reveal some things to him. and, And David would answer with these words. Is this your manner with men? Is this the manner of men? Is this, is, this, is this how you work in people's lives? David was so overwhelmed. And the, the, the overreaching answer is yes. Yes. And we come in on Sunday mornings and we sing and praise because our hearts with move, are moved that he's so good to us. He's so quick to forgive us of all of our faults, faults and failures and say, hey, come to me. Just come to me. Come to me. I want to bless you. I want to give you the riches of the land. Maybe you're here this morning. You need to bring your pain to God. You're holding on to that dad who abused you. You're holding on to that bad thing that happened to you. You can't get rid of it. Hey, I want to invite you right now. Bow your head right now. Just bow your heads. Bring bring your pain to God. Maybe you have someone you need to forgive. They've wronged you. And it still hurts. You're thinking about it all the time. You're thinking, how could they do that, man? I was sitting there, I was bleeding to death. They were saying, pass the stake. How, I mean, it's unbelievable. You still hold a grudge. I want you to trust in God's sovereignty. Give it to Jesus. Let it go. Maybe you have some sin in your life that's holding you back and it's your comfort zone, man. It's where you go to for comfort and you're just getting high all the time. You're just shopping all the time. You're just materialistic all the time. You're just, you're just looking at porn all the time. You're just you're lost in entertainment. You're, you got the sin that's holding you back. It's ruining your life. You need to let it go. Bring it to Jesus so you can move forward in faith. He will forgive you and you will grow. God is for you. Maybe Jesus is calling you to step out in faith into a brand new journey into into uncharted waters. Hey, leave your stuff behind. Come to this new land. I will provide for you. I will lead you. I will guide you. Step out in faith in it. Come, come. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.